0: What is going on, Red Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down with Eli Kerr, the founder of Gnarly Nutrition, and Shannon O'Grady, one of the partners and chief product officers. Guys, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me.
1: Yeah, Josh, super grateful to be with you. Thanks
2: so much for having us.
0: Definitely. Okay, so for the listener that may not be familiar with Gnarly Nutrition, how would you best describe your brand to them?
1: Yeah. So, from a from a product standpoint, which is what people really usually want to know, uh, we are a sports nutrition company that focuses on making natural, uh, effective products that uh, actually taste delicious. So, everything we make is primarily uh, powdered right now, and you use it pre, during, or post some form of exercise and or activity.
0: And you're right on the delicious part. We, uh, my one of my partners and I have been using the uh, the chocolate whey protein, and it's delicious.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Like that's so that's that's really you know one of the primary ways that we've tried to distinguish our products from a very satur- saturated uh, market or industry as far as sports nutrition and supplements. Um, there are a lot a lot of natural products that are out there, and a lot of them are good quality products, Um, typically you get, you know, there is some quality associated with natural products. That's not always the case. Um, But another thing that's typically associated with natural products is that they taste terrible. So, you know, that, that's really like, uh, I'm sure we're going to get into this a little bit more, but kind of the inception of the brand and and company was to create natural products that people actually look forward to using. And so, you know, it's not just about what's in a product, but it's also about what's not in a product. And typically when you start getting away from uh, unnatural ingredients and the, the taste of products go downhill pretty quick. Right. And so we made very deliberate efforts to make the product delicious so people want to use the product and actually will get the benefits of using a product like ours, which is... Uh, benefits of performance and recovery from your activities
0: definitely um, okay, so the, you started the business in two thousand and twelve talk about like, what was the sort of inception story how did you always know at some point you wanted to start a business, whether it was like gnarly or um, did you really just see a problem in uh, you know the area of sort of supplements in uh, active uh, sports?
1: yeah so so the, there were there are a couple things so I originally uh, started it with two other partners um, and the idea or the, the inception was that there were a lot of good natural products out there but uh, most of the natural products weren't very delicious and you know didn't have a very marketable brand and so and we wanted to do something that was kind of the antithesis of what is known in the kind of mass sports nutrition and supplement market, which uh, traditionally they're really good at, at marketing, but they're really focused on selling the aesthetics of the human body to uh, consumers and, and less about the performance part. So we wanted to do a kind of the opposite of that. And then we also wanted to make sure that the products were clean and natural and so, we felt like there was a need out there to develop a brand that uh, people could connect to, that was more about performance, that was naturally driven, and then also tasted delicious. And so that's kind of where gnarly was born. And we've we've made a couple of iterations kind of along the way, you know. Um, but for the most part, we've kind of had a trajectory of of being a clean, effective, um, and sorry, kind of clean, natural, uh, effective products that tasted delicious. And um, one of the kind of turning points for us specifically was my background was uh, primarily in the outdoor industry. And so no brand was really creating products specifically for mountain athletes and connecting the brand to the mountain athletes and doing it in a really authentically natural way. And so, you know, you know, we, we started moving the brand in that direction and that's, you know, part of why it's called gnarly and has a name that's kind of associated a little bit more with kind of the mountain skate surf culture.
0: Right. Right. Um, okay. So you start developing the product you launch in 2012. Um, what did you start with? What was the first product you guys offered?
1: Yeah, so one of the one of the reasons why we got specifically into sports nutrition is we had discovered that there was this really effective, delicious and high quality form of grass fed whey that came out of New Zealand. So it uh was was GMO free, it was antibiotic free, um it was just a really clean source of uh, protein, and it had a better taste. And uh, so we developed our first product around that. And so we released a, a grass-fed whey. And right along with that, we have never really had a soapbox that we've sta- stood on and said, you know, that your diet needs to look like X, so you need to be. Following some kind of specific diet and use these kind of specific products in order to perform well, and so we also simultaneously started working on a plant-based protein, and so those those have been and ha- have always been like our flagship product is our two protein products, which is a grass-fed whey and then a, a vegan plant protein. And
2: kind of building on that, on that, and and the direction that gnarly's taken with, with all of our products. Um, you know, Eli early, earlier said that sometimes it's, it's not always what's in the product. It's also what's not in the product. And so, you know, without making grand statements about what you should have or shouldn't have in your diet, we try to, you know, minimize allergens in our products. So we don't include any soy containing ingredients. We, um, Test all of our products. Every lot that's manufactured for for gluten, if we can make a product vegan, we do make a product vegan. Not because we're a vegan brand, but because we want to make you know high quality products accessible to as many people as we possibly can. So so why not? Um, so the the gnarly brand as it stands now, you know, with the exception of our our flagship grass fed way, is the line is entirely vegan. Um, and that's just kind of our approach to, to developing products, um, and it will continue to be.
0: That's really interesting. Now, now, Shannon, I know you clearly have experience developing product, not just in the last five years, but I assume before uh, Gnarly. But Eli, did you have any sort of experience in, uh, A, manufacturing, and B, putting together a food product like this?
1: No, I, I really, really didn't actually um really learned along the way and for the first couple of years i you know to be honest it, it was it was like kind of a baptism by fire right where just doing the very very best and learning from you know mistakes and and relying on on some of the people in, in the industry to help us and and there were a couple times where i really got burned because uh you know there weren't things that i knew or understood at the time and I would tell you that, you know, that's when Shannon came on board. You know, two two years after we basically had started, like she she basically substantiated the brand and legitimized the brand. She came in and brought, brought in, you know, proper procedures and um, helped us fix and manage some of our formulation errors that we initially made. Um, put in manufacturing protocols to hold our manufacturers accountable, um, just really helped us to legitimize our business and really, um, up, up our expectations, you know, a couple of notches for sure. So, um, you know, her background has really, really altered and changed what we've delivered from a product and, and from a brand standpoint
0: yeah I'm sure it was game changing to have someone with that kind of expertise come onto the team i guess i'm I'm so curious because I'm like thinking about this in the background of like okay yeah. i I want to start a supplement company and starting with like a whey protein like where do you even begin <laughs> to try and like put something like that together are you just kind of researching a bunch of different ingredients trying to find the the highest quality and then just sort of experimenting with them it's a-
2: I mean, we can talk about historically, like where Eli began or where, you know, where we begin now. Um,
0: I would love to hear like the very beginning, too. And then obviously now with like a much updated version and more like streamlined.
1: <laughs> so, so one thing, there's a couple of things that I think are good to know. One is there are definitely, you know, not necessarily a lot of barriers for people to enter into like a market like this, but to do it well, there definitely are a lot of barriers. Um, and something else that, that people kind of a myth misnomer about the supplement and kind of sports nutrition industry is people think that it's not, um, regulated and it totally, totally is. So, you know, Shannon can speak on this a little bit more, but in a lot of cases, we are regulated to a higher uh, expectation than a lot of the food industry. Um, so it's 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 definitely a mis- misnomer. People think you can just like make something and just like build it in your bathtub and just start selling it. <laughs> but the consequences of doing things like that are really severe and really high, and people don't recognize that. So we were never we never started like in the, in the <laughs> bathtub. Right. 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 It wasn't like, it, it, like throwing some concoctions together in the kitchen either and be like, oh, you know, like this tastes pretty good. Well, I should go see if my buddies like it. It was never really like that. We definitely went through uh, a pretty legitimate way that, that that did cost us some money initially that that the partnership brought to the table to help us get started. We never raised any capital, but we, we did bring some initial resources to get going. Um, and so we hired a third party to help us, like build some of the initial products, and we had insight and in some direction as far as like what we wanted to do based on what we had already seen in the market. Um, but one thing that is kind of interesting about about the brand is that when we initially were building products, we didn't look at the cost of the ingredients. Huh. We were like, we want the best, we want the highest quality natural. Um, Ingredients that will deliver a, a radical formula, you know,
0: right? And so right. Like,
1: we actually built these, and then it's like, okay, so how much do these cost per unit? And we're like, oh shit, <laughs> like, it, was, it was like really expensive. And and um, you know, we we as we've learned and gone to to sell our product and and also to have other people help us manufacture, we've really learned like, wow, you guys have built a really expensive product. Like the, the ingredients that go into your product are are not the ingredients that most sports nutrition brands are using. The protein alone you guys are spending like a, a crazy amount of money on, you know. So we built those products with, with the idea of, again, delivering a high-quality natural product that actually tasted good. And so when we started looking at, you know, uh, sweeteners, I mean, we use a really high – uh, grade Reb-A, which is like the Stevia so that you get less of a Stevia flavor to this, the Stevia. And that's, that's more expensive than, you know, just using, um, like a maltodextrin or, uh, what's the word? the ACE, ACE K, like or some of these, or sucralose, or like those are all like sports? artificial sweeteners yeah. that are super, super inexpensive, but they make your product taste delicious. Um, So, you know, we've been very deliberate about those those ingredients, and that took research and some time. And, again, we did work with a third-party formulator and manufacturer to help us build those initially. And then now our process has completely changed because with Shannon we do 99% of that work in-house. We do the research in-house. Like the product's practically built – when it when it leaves Shannon's desk, and then it just really goes to kind of optimizing the product from there. I don't know. If you you want to?
2: Yeah, speak? I mean, we we kind of start now, whether it's athletes communicating a need to us or us seeing kind of a hole in uh, you know the the product uh, market um, that we think we can fill, or if we see. Um, a pretty common product that we, we think we can do better, um, an example of that is, uh, you know, our greens product we just launched. Um, most greens products have are like ridden with proprietary blends when you can't can't actually find out, you know, how much of a singular ingredient is in in the greens you're buying because they're in these you know, proprietary blends where actual amounts of ingredients aren't shared. You know, and you look at our product and we've listed the amounts of every single ingredient and those amounts are amounts that are supported by research, you know, to be efficacious in, you know, exercise and athletics. Um, so, you know, that's a, an example of, of what how we feel we're kind of up, upping the ante on, you know, a product that's been around for a while. But we start with things like that. Then, you know, the next thing. That I do is is kind of field the research for for what um, high level studies show you know would be effective ingredients in in a formulation that would would fill that hole. Um, part of that is always going to look at you know how is that ingredient going to affect the taste of the product? What's the cost of that ingredient? Can we even fit an effective dose of that ingredient in a product? You know, those are all questions that we have to ask. Um, and then what will the the end cost be? You know, we we are kind of in the, the upper end of the sports nutrition pricing category, you know, and I would argue for, for a reason. Um, but there you could make, you know, your dream product, but it would be too expensive for anyone to buy. So we always have to also, you know, think about cost at, at some level. Um, so we kind of just, you know, write, write a formula based on on those, you know, wants and needs and, and, um, work with manufacturers to source high quality ingredients that meet all of our, um, you know, product guidelines. So is it, can we buy the ingredient vegan? You know, is it certified non-GMO? Is it free of soy containing ingredients? Is it gluten-free? Um, is it, you know, Free of antibiotics or synthetic hormones, like making sure we're checking off all those boxes um, before we start actually putting the the f- actual formula together, and then working on flavoring.
0: Right. I mean,
1: one, one thing you'll never see us do is throw some ingredient in because it's like a popular ingredient right now, and and so we should have it in there, or you know, we'll help sell more product, or you know, let's do let's follow one of the fad uh products that are really hot and, and popular right now and let's develop that and sell it um that's just that's just not part of our brand promise
0: yeah no I totally understand that okay so clearly with gnarly there's like really two main components to the business which is the, the products themselves and sort of um working through them and and like you guys said, filling all of the holes of your customers and athletes um, and then figuring out the pricing and, all, and everything that kind of goes along with that. Um, and in the beginning, you, you started with two simple products. How, how did you guys get the word out and really grow the business? Um, was it mostly direct to consumer? Did you work with some uh, retail uh, stores? And how, how, how has it grown over time?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with like the mythological sirens that that, that exist. You know that like mythology has those sirens that are, that are like the the beautiful like women that are calling the sailors to the shore, and they hear them, and and so they beckon their call, and then when they get close to them, they crash them on on the rocks and just sink them. Right. Um, so wholesaler or retailers have kind of been like those mythological sirens for us a little bit where it's like it's really enticing to want to go really focus on um, retail because there's a lot of opportunity there for growth and scaling and and getting your brand out there and available. And I'm not saying that it's the wrong way, but I'm just saying for us as 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 a bootstrapped company. um where where we haven't had a lot of resources and we've had to be very resourceful, um, we we've gotten hurt a couple times where we've kind of followed those those sirens and uh, and it and it hurt us, you know. Um, so we've we've done a little bit of retail, and you know to to this day we we probably we have just over about 120 retailers that carry our products, and they're everything from kind of a mom, pa, uh, natural food store to more boutique fitness gyms, um, that typically carry our products. We've, you know, here locally in Utah, all of the whole foods carries our products. So, um, we, we've done a little bit of that retail. I wouldn't say that the the retail has typically been the growth model for us. Um, you know, that's one place where we haven't, we've never employed really, I mean, I, I guess we kind of employed a sales team for a bit, but we haven't really been aggressive about selling into retail. We've primarily been a consumer brand, and that's really where we want to be. We see our our brand as a lifestyle brand, um, and so we want to directly impact the consumer. Uh, they they are you know what keeps us in business and what allows us to do the things that we love. Uh, a lot of our effort and energy, as far as um, kind of our growth have come from providing education to consumers and helping them understand how to use products like ours um, and the benefits of them and and then specifically using products like ours related to mountain sports um, and consumers really appreciate that kind of information you know and so we, We come in and provide that kind of information and or content rather than just trying to sell product. And people really love and connect with that authentic approach, um, a a very natural approach. And, uh, you know, people get interested in trying our products and they try it and they love the taste. And then they become gnarly fans and it's over. Game over
0: yeah Yeah, Um, i mean the key is a great product
1: depending on how you see it the game just starts (laughs) Um, right because people really start to find the advantages of using products like ours related to their sports and or um, athletic pursuits and that's that's where they really start to fall in love with the brand
0: no, definitely. So, when it comes to the direct-to-consumer, like obviously you, you you talked a lot about kind of the content, and I feel like you're probably one of the few brands that really does focus on mountain sports, where like I feel like a lot of other supplement companies are more like gym-focused, right? Um, what sort of medians have you guys been using that uh, I guess over time, and maybe it's changed, like in the beginning, was it Facebook, was it sort of word of mouth, was it events? And, um, how has that kind of changed over time?
1: So, uh, I think that this is where we, we've had, a. well, it's kind of interesting because I feel like we've had a lot of success, but it's, it's very slow success because, you know, we, we aren't necessarily into just trying to like blow our brand up and make it a really big brand. But we want it to be a very authentic brand and and for people to really fall in love with it and the products. And so we have been very creative with how we've done this. And uh, one of the places where we've had a lot of success is working with athletes. So, I mean, we have a fairly large um, team of athletes that we work with none of those athletes are really paid at all. They all get product and they use our product and they use our product because they love our product. So, you know, it's not about us going and finding people and convincing them, Hey, you know, let us pay you a bunch of money and you go and rep our brand and product. That's just not how it works. So uh, we have authentic relationships with a number of athletes and those athletes talk about it in their community. They talk about it some on their social we actually don't require them to post on their social. That's just not part of who we are again. Um, so any of those, uh, anytime they post, it's very authentic because they want to post. Um, we've had a lot of success that way. Um,
2: and we've I, had athletes leave us for paid uh, gigs, or, or you know they've had another supplement company offer to pay them, and have always been you know pretty clear that that if that decision is better for them and, and promoting, uh, you know, what they want to do and living the lifestyle they want, then they should, should take that opportunity. And we've also pretty much have a hundred percent return level on the athletes that have left us have come back. <laughs> so <laughs> that's also reassuring too, that right. both, you know, the product and kind of how the relationship that we've developed with those athletes is, is authentic and something they value as much as we do.
1: Yeah, we've, we've found creative ways to, to disperse, you know, some, some education content, whether it's podcasts or, um, kind of blogs and, and Shannon's written a number of articles for other organizations. Um, we've done a ton of events, especially locally. We support quite a few races, um we support these races primarily through product um, and this, this gives us access to a lot of people and, and introduces a lot of people to our brand. Uh, I mean we work with over a hundred trail races um, that are primarily throughout the west but but also over into the east coast. I mean we, we work with a lot of climbing brands as well. So we've done a lot of partnerships. Um, we sponsor a lot of climbing events um we we just really try to be everywhere that that we possibly can be with the resources we have so it does mean we have to say no to a lot of opportunities oftentimes um because you know we're fairly resource strapped but when we can and where we can be creative we we are and um uh to be honest with you like over the seven, last 7 years It really has just required us to really work our asses off. We've had to find very creative ways. And oftentimes it means putting more work hours in rather than spending more money in order to build the brand.
0: Yeah, that, that's something I also want to mention for for the listeners that maybe some are aware um, or have used gnarly products in the past. You are still a pretty small team, you know. We're talking offline the fact that you have like three and a half or so uh, people working on the team, and then I'm sure some other like contract work. But it is like a pretty tight crew of people, kind of doing all of the work, which, as you guys are well aware of, isn't easy.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's fun too. Like, yeah. So, so I mean, I mean, I think that you know, Shannon can speak on this a little bit more about kind of, you know, our culture and and part of the reason what attracted her to to come and in and initially approach us and and want to work here. But you know, our our kind of personal lives and our hobbies and the things that we love and and even you know our families are uh are integrated into what we do here at work because it overflows into our our lifestyle. You know, we're all involved in in mountain sports and it's the kind of stuff that we love. And so supporting athletes is like we get it. We're athletes, you know? Um right. uh going and being at these kind of events and knowing and understanding what we all put on the line to go and perform and how how important it is to want to be your very best like we understand all that because it's like that's part of who we are naturally and so we love how our our business and company like really naturally integrates with our lifestyles and and that's something that i thoroughly believe um and try to maintain from a culture standpoint is is integrating our lives like that it allows us to kind of show up more as like Fully human beings and all we are and offer, and because uh, we show up that way, I really believe that we do better work. We we the brand exudes more of who we are and what's important to us, and it's because we we integrate ourselves into the, to the brand. We love it. We love what we do. Um, doesn't mean that it's not hard, and doesn't mean it doesn't suck sometimes. <laughs> you know, but but we really do love it.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: I I found Gnarly basically just because I found the product through an athlete and was kind of taken with the ingredient choices, you know, as a, as a, you know, pretty studious label (laughs) sleuth, like, you know, looking at the products early on, I could see kind of the intent in the formulation. And, um, and I also really liked the athletes that they were working with and it felt like they kind of reflected my interest. And, um, you know, and I wrote gnarly a letter and sent Eli my resume and started doing contract work. And, um, yeah, it's, I mean, I, and I feel like that's what a lot of our consumers see as well. They see a reflection of the things that they like to do and they see the, you know, intent, um, in, in the product formulations and, um, and they see a cool culture that they, um, that resonates with them.
0: Definitely. And Salt Lake is definitely a good place to be doing that. <laughs> it's uh, one of the best playgrounds. I used to I actually used to live there um, a few years back, but the climbing and skiing is, oh man, the best in the world. <laughs> oh, it's such a fun place. Um, okay. So over the years, what would you guys say have been really the hardest part about uh, really building Gnarly?
1: Uh, I guess. I mean, it probably is. Really, comes down to just resources. I mean, it's kind of a a beautiful hardship because you know, it, at time it feels at times it feels very restraining and is keeping you from doing the things that you want to do, and it's frustrating. And you know, Shannon will speak on how because she manages inventory like that's probably the hardest thing is that when we like we occasionally can run out of inventory or you know we don't have enough inventory or we don't uh we're not able to project that correctly um but at the same time like with that hardship kind of helps you have this other perspective where you have to approach things and be really creative and, and let some things slide off your shoulders so that you can focus your energy on, on the really big things. Um, it just, it creates a culture of creativity. Um,
2: yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because with a company, our size, you know, sales go, go up and we're super psyched that sales go up, but that also means we run through product more quickly uh, it means we have to have cash on hand to buy more product. Um, so, it, you know, I've heard Eli describe it below or before as kind of this like put on the gas, put on the brake, put on the gas, put on the brake.
1: Right,
0: it's, right, right.
2: Yeah, it's a really good way to to kind of explain it because when when resources are limited and and you're kind of um, you're kind of trying to approach growth in a little more conservative, kind of authentic manner and be careful about it um, you run into this, this, uh, conundrum where, you know, you're forced into, you know, you want to market, you want to grow in the brand, but you're also then forced into looking where you can get capital in order to support that, that growth. Um, and that's definitely been a struggle for us along the way. And, you know, we're figuring it out and we're finding solutions. And I think that's, you know, the next chapter and we're super excited about that. Um, but it's, it's been challenging over the last year for sure.
0: Definitely. I guess that leads me to another point. Like, cause I I guess I don't know much about this, but the manufacturing process of making supplements, it's like obviously similar to manufacturing a, a specific product, but obviously you don't do it all in house. Um, is it done relatively locally? Like how, is it a long turnaround when you place in a new order? Are you sometimes kind of like twiddling your thumbs and waiting like three weeks for product to show up to then sell?
2: Times three, yeah. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah, so um, all of our manufacturing is done locally in in Salt Lake. Um, And typically, you know, I'd say average manufacturing times are 8 to 12 weeks. Um, You can kind of get on the in the six to eight week range uh potentially if your manufacturer stocks all your ingredients in-house but you know what is really leading to longer uh, waiting periods is the manufacturer you know getting the, the ingredients and and also just the rest of the products that they're trying to create so so whatever their work workload looks like but i'd say typically it's eight to 12 weeks so if you you know, if you have a huge increase in sales and you, you don't already have a standing PO or you do have a, a purchase order that's been live for, you know, three to four weeks, you, you're still waiting, you know, almost double that to get your product. So it can be a pretty uncomfortable situation because um, it's the worst thing to, to have people that want your product, right. but not have it.
0: Yeah, that can be totally stressful. I can totally see that. So it's like you know, you specialize in crystal ball, <laughs> like predicting the yeah, future yeah. and uh, predicting yeah. how many people are going to be buying what. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, we're we're trying to figure out ways to kind of shorten that lead time um, and to to be better about kind of predicting growth. But yeah, it, it there's definitely a lot of like hocus pocus mumbo jumbo in there, <laughs> you know, like, crossing all appendages and you know, wishing that and hoping it all works out.
0: Definitely. Um, so what advice would you guys give to someone uh, that wanted to start a business, whether it was in the food industry, the outdoor space, or really just a business in general?
2: Uh, so, I mean, I guess I'll speak to to the food industry and kind of the supplement industry because that's more of what I deal with specifically. And then I'll, I'll let Eli answer it. Um, I mean, I, th- I think that I would not necessarily jump on easy. You know, it's, it's pretty attractive to want to kind of short track things and get a product made as quickly as possible and make it for as cheap as possible so you can gain a, you know, greater margin. Um, and, spe- and even in Salt Lake, there are tons of supplement manufacturers, but um, easy and fast doesn't always mean uh, best and right. Um, And there are a lot of good supplement manufacturers out there um, that are, you know, have have quality certifications like NSF, um, which is a third party um, kind of quality audit group. Um, And they make sure that they follow the regulations. They make sure that, that the products that they make meet, you know, safety requirements. Um, and they make sure that that you're you're really producing a high quality product and any shortcuts that you take early on just to get a product to market will likely end up hurting you in the end, whether it's because, um, you know, you're making a product that's unsafe or you're you're making a product that that really doesn't do what you're you know, claiming it to do. So um, I would seek out, you know, the best in the business and, and, and kind of start there
0: that's great advice.
1: Yeah. So I, I would, I guess two things is one is I hope you have a lot of endurance and (laughs) everything is, um, I really, I really believe that there's a lot of benefit in, in being very resourceful. So I think that, Um, a lot of people think that they need to spend a lot of money to initially market products or to introduce them to, uh, an audience. And I think that there's a lot of very creative, authentic ways that you, you don't need to spend right out of the gate. And, um, and by spending your money on, on kind of the approach that Shannon's recommending, which is, you know, doing a really thorough, uh, Kind of longer, very high quality approach to the production standpoint, um, and spending your resources there and then being very creative with the marketing on it. so,
0: no, I think yeah. that's really smart. Um, so where do you guys see gnarly in the next year, five years, ten years down the road?
1: So uh, this is a really interesting question. I would, I would say, so to create some context, one internally, we, we look at ourselves or call ourselves kind of as uh, a company right now that creates training products. And, um, and what I mean by that is a lot of our products aren't necessarily used on, on game day or race day, uh, with the exception of kind of our, our hydration product. but uh, we we are going to continue to grow our line of business, meaning uh, the the kind of products that we have available, um, and and so that we are basically you know the way that I I often talk about talk about it is we want to you know fill your your kitchen cabinets right so we want to be the the brand that that basically can provide products for. Um, all all your different sports, and um, continue on with our brand promise, which is making clean, effective, great-tasting products uh, to the point that you know we become the the premier sports nutrition brand in the outdoor industry.
0: I love that, and um, I personally, and I know Matt agrees. We love your product so far. We've been using it for the last, I guess, mm, 10 days uh, or so. And the whey protein is delicious. (laughs) Um, I think Matt had it twice today (laughs) because it was good, so good. It literally tastes like a chocolate milkshake. and I'm so excited to, uh, see all the, guys, all the things that you guys have, um, coming out in the future. And, um, you know, I want to thank you guys for taking the time to come on the podcast and share the story of Gnarly and, um, you know, anyone who's listening before September 10th, you can actually enter to win a bunch of product from Gnarly, including that, uh, protein that I was talking about, um, And uh, you can enter to win before September 12th on RedYeti.com. And with that, guys, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast and sharing your stories and all the great things you guys are doing. It's great to be here, Thanks, Josh. Yeah, thank you so much.